0: Welcome to the Restoration Church weekly podcast. Please take a minute to subscribe to our YouTube channel and follow us on Facebook and Instagram. And be sure to download the Church Center app. This is the best way to stay connected and up to date with all that's happening at Restoration Church. Most importantly, we hope the following message will help draw you closer to Christ. Thanks for listening. Okay, so this is the time when you watch a video, and that gives me two minutes to prepare. But I don't have a video, so right now I'm buying time to give myself two minutes to prepare. No, Um, so about 45 minutes ago, it was quarter to ten, there were about eight of you sitting here, and I was thinking... We should never, ever, ever introduce prior to the Sunday we're going to do the business meeting. We should just never tell anyone because who honestly on a, on a Sunday morning when it's raining and you'd rather be in bed go, I want to go hear about the state of the church. There's one person raising their hand. Nobody can see him, but Josh, oh, oh Courtney, too. So there were like two people. So... Eight at quarter to ten was actually a great number because, you know, I really only expected two of you. But, no, thank you for being here. Um, I said earlier that my name is Brian Hughes. I'm one of the elders. I'm also the bookkeeper for the church. Um, And so it's my privilege, and honestly I mean that, it's my privilege to get up in front of you about every six months and give you kind of the state of the church where we're at, um, especially from a financial perspective. So that's what we're going to do today, and then we're going to take a look at an important question um, after we talk about where we are as a church. So if you go to the first slide, or I guess the second slide, um, you'll see this graph. Hopefully you can read all those numbers. Um, But this graph is pretty much what you want to see, right? The yellow shows where our budget is halfway through the year. That should say July to December. It's great when you copy and paste things and you never know exactly when you're doing this. Um, But that should really say July to December. Our fiscal year runs from July to June because that's when we started as a church was in July. Um, And so... That's what we run instead of the calendar year, so this is halfway through as of December. So the yellow bar there shows us our budget, the red bar shows us our expenses, and the green bar shows us uh, our income for the year so far. And pretty much what you want to see, right, looks straight across. And if all you could see was the graph, everything would be great. But then if you look at the numbers down below that, um, we're below budget in all of our categories. We are below budget more in our income than we are in our expenses, and so overall we are negative $6,000, which is different because, and you'll see later, um, this is the first year that halfway through the year we've been in the red. Um, It's not huge because, like I said, the graph, if you just saw the graph, looks pretty straight across. So if you go to the next slide, this is probably what you don't want to see compared to the graph on the previous screen. Now, the green line that goes up, over, and then down, and then to the end, is where we need to be for budget. So the green line moves because we have tuition that comes in from the preschool during the time when the line is high, and we do not have tuition coming in from the preschool when the line is lower. And so as you can see from that, that our giving and the money that's come in from tuition only exceeds the green line once in the very first month in July, And then ever since then, we've been consistently below budget um, of our giving and the income from the tuition. So this is really what you don't want to see, right? So we've had something we want to see, something we don't want to see. So if you go to the next slide, this is a tuition comparison last year to this year. Now, last year, I stood up in front of you and said that tuition blew all expectations. And so that was amazing. It was incredible. In fact, we raised uh, the budget for tuition because the expectations were so great from last year and honestly this year you can see those blue bars are tuition this year compared to the red bars which were tuition last year and so far we've pretty much been above in terms of tuition coming in um, month after month and if you go to the next slide it'll it'll give kind of the numbers of exactly where we are so last year again phenomenal year the best year that we ever had in terms of the preschool and tuition what we saw there um, and this year we're already ahead of that so that's tremendous up by 3,400 Definitely something we want to see. But now if we go to the next slide, let's compare giving to where we were last year compared to where we are this year. So same thing. Blue is this year and red is last year. And you can see pretty consistently um, that the blue bar is below. There's a couple of months where the blue bar is above. But giving tends to be down. And if you go to the next slide, <coughs> there's our giving last year and then our giving this year and we're actually down by $12,000 in terms of giving overall. So that takes us to the next slide. Now, this gives a broader picture of what giving is like, because it's not really fair to just talk about giving. That was all to the general fund, which means that's the things that pays the lights and pays the heat and pays the salaries, pays all the things that make the church work. But there's a lot of other giving that happens here at Restoration Church. We're in the middle of a capital campaign, and you can see that so far this year, we've given 36,000, over $36,000 to a capital campaign, which is phenomenal. And we've used that to uh, renovate the parking lot in the back. As you've known, we actually renovated some of the parking lot in the front as well, um, done some other things with the Building Bridges campaign, and we're excited about the things that are yet to come. So that's fantastic. Be Rich was, again, very successful this year. There's $5,700 that was given to Be Rich that we were able to turn around and give that to the community, people in need, places where schools and uh, churches. And this is actual cash given. So this is not – Ross talked last week about everything that was given. Um, This doesn't count anything that was purchased online. This doesn't count anything that was given um, in terms of other gifts and things that were donated um, or all the spaghetti that sat, if you remember right, back – in the hallway, you know. And if you weren't here to see all the spaghetti, I'm not kidding. The spaghetti, there were so many boxes of spaghetti sitting in the back hallway that from the the door to the bathroom to the end about this high and about that deep was like 9,600 boxes of spaghetti. Um, So all of that. And then there's other giving. We gave to uh, staff gifts so that we could um, generously thank the staff for all that they do. Um, We've given to the bridge directly. We have capital fund. Um, for the building itself and the fellowship fund. And so all of that is another $48,000 that's been given. So this is phenomenal, and it answers the question, where does all that money go? <coughs> but again, in this uh, what you want to see and what you don't want to see scenario, we've got to go to the next slide. So if we go to the next slide, this is where I was saying it, this year is different. These are all the years since we have started where we were in December. And you can see there have been some years that were phenomenal of, as of December. I mean, we, 2019, that we were ahead by $42,000 income to expenses. Um, the last two years, last year at this time, we were just ahead by 5,000, and this year we're actually in the negative, 6,000. So I wouldn't call this a trend. There really is no trend on that graph. Simply the fact that this year is different, that giving is down, that expenses are up, I mean, you know that expenses are up because you go to the grocery store and you buy gas and you do all those other things, and the expenses for the church are no different. Um, So then if you go to the next slide, and this is the last one as far as the business meeting is concerned. um, Here's what we have in terms of where we're at. So prior year surplus represents all of those years when we were ahead. God has provided $141,000 as a cushion for a year when we're behind. This year we might be behind. I would anticipate that we will be. The second half of the year tends to be more expenses. Um, So we'll see. So when I come up and and stand in front of you in June, um, it may be that we have a red number at the bottom of the graph. I don't know, we'll see. But God has provided for us um, as he always does. And so we may use some of this surplus in a way to, to make up for that difference. So we're not in a bad place. So again, being negative $6,000 doesn't mean that we're not gonna make payroll and we're not gonna pay our staff or anything like that. It just means that this is where we're at. You can see the other uh, balances there. Little Blessing has a surplus of $20,000 for years when tuition don't meet expenses for them directly. Um, the capital fund is very healthy right now um, as far as anything that would happen to the building or something that we would need to do. Um, the fellowship fund and be rich, there's still some expenses that will come out of the be rich fund um, because the credit card is always behind by a month, and so there's things that were purchased. Um, but again, those are still healthy balances going to next year. The missions trip fund is something that um, we haven't talked a whole lot about because we really haven't since COVID had any opportunity to do a missions trip, but we're looking at this summer potentially having a trip that goes to Poland, and um, Ross and Emily were there on a vision trip just a couple well, a month or so ago. Um, and so we're looking to be able to use some of that money. And then the last one, as I've spoken about previously, but I'll mention again, um, we have our own health insurance, um, and that's funded through uh, various sources. But one of the sources is uh, an, ex- um, an excess fund that we need to keep. Um, and we raised this money, and it's been static. We've been happy to be able to say that we haven't had to spend any of it. Um, but this is a health insurance fund that would help out our staff in the event that Um, either the Manders or the Pesshians had some kind of a a major health incident that needed to be dealt with. So that is the business meeting. That's where we're at financially. And if you go to the next slide, that may have felt like a roller coaster, right? (laughs) Because it seemed like every other slide there was like, let's talk about where tuition is and we're up high, and then let's talk about where giving is and we went down that hill, and then let's talk about what about – You know, where we are compared to other years, and that was way down the bottom of the hill, right? And then, but but here's what God provided, and we're up. So the ups and downs of that business report makes me want to think about a question, an important question, one that says, why do we give to our local church? And I think it's an important question for a couple of reasons. One, in light of everything that I just presented in terms of where we are, I think it's a question that we need to ask. Why do we give to our local church? But I think it's also important because I'm the one asking the question. Ross and Emily aren't here today. I'm just a volunteer. I'm just a partner. I'm an elder and I'm on the leadership team. But like you, I don't receive any compensation for anything that I do here at the church. Many of you volunteer in many different ways. Many of you don't receive any compensation just like me. So I think we need to ask this question because we need to talk about. Why do we give to our local church? And I think for Ross, as an employee, as someone who's paid, as someone whose livelihood and whose family's livelihood depends on the church, that it's a little bit different. It's a little bit harder for him to talk about it. You know, the stigma, and you may be thinking this already, oh, here we go. See, things were down. Now we're going to talk about giving. The church just wants my money. That's what people think, at least traditionally, that's what people have always thought. And you know what, the church has done a really, really good job of reinforcing that by televangelists and all kinds of unscrupulous people who have wanted to manipulate you and guilt you and get your money. But that's not how I've ever felt here at Restoration Church. And so I wanna talk about this question, not from a perspective of how to make you feel guilty to make up the difference about what we just talked about. But I want to talk about this question because we have a God who's generous. You see, some churches and some pastors are money grubbing and they want your money. But here at Restoration Church, when Ross has spoken about giving, it's always been about how God is gracious, about how God is generous, and about how God is faithful and that we need to become more like him. We need to be gracious and generous and faithful in the way that we give. I've never felt like I've been guilted into giving. But I've always felt like, as a body, that for us to be healthy means that we need to assure that we can be healthy. You know, when you feel sick, maybe you have iron deficiency, Maybe you have a flu. Maybe you have the cold. This is the season. You can't do what you normally do. I mean, Mary was sick for like two months with this cold that she can't get rid of. Well, couldn't get rid of. She's kind of over it now. But for all that time, she just didn't want to do all the things she needed to do. Her body was unhealthy. She was missing something. We as a church are a body. When our body's unhealthy, we can't accomplish what we're asked to do. We can't do all the ministry that we want to do. So let's take a look at this question. Why do we give our hard-earned money to the local church? Why should we give our hard-earned money to the local church? Well, first of all, I think it's important to recognize that we don't need to see our money as our money. The scripture clearly teaches us that it's not our money, that we are in fact managers of our lives and not owners of it. We need to manage well the resources that God provides. And this is probably most clear in the example that we see when David was gathering the resources to build the temple. That would be Solomon, his son, who actually built the temple. But David needed to gather all of the resources, the materials, the gold, the silver, the money that would pay workers, all that needed to be done. And after they had gathered and he had given much from his own personal treasury, and then Israel had come alongside the leaders and the people to donate, he had this massive amount of materials, of wealth, of resources. And his response to God illustrates so clearly how we're just managers of life. And not owners. Let me read for you from First Chronicles 29. It says, "Praise be to you, Lord, the God of our father Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor. For everything in heaven and earth is yours. Yours, Lord, is the kingdom, and you are exalted as head over all. Keep going, because I keep reading." Wealth and honor come from you. You are the ruler of all things. In your hands are strength and power to exalt and give strength to all. Now, our Lord, we give you thanks and praise your glorious name. But who am I and who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? Everything comes from you, and we have only what comes from your hand. We've only given what comes from your hand. Lord our God, all this abundance, and there was a lot of abundance that he was talking about, all this abundance that we have provided for building you a temple for your holy name comes from your hand, and all of it belongs to you. David's response was not, look what I did. Look what we did. Look what we've brought. Look what the millions and millions of dollars that I donated, that we donated. Aren't you proud of us, God? Now David came in humility and said, all of this was yours, God. You provided it to us and now we're giving it back to you so that it can be used for your work. So the first thing we have to recognize is that our hard earned money and it's earned, and it's hard sometimes, is really a generous provision from God. But secondly, when we think about giving to the local church, we need to respond generously, and not legalistically, to God's generosity. If we don't respond generously, if we simply respond out of a sense of legalism, we've got to do it. Then we're not responding the way that we should. And we can see this in an example from Moses. When when Moses led the Israelites out of Egypt, he led them through the Red Sea. And you're probably familiar with the story. And then they go to Mount Sinai. And at Mount Sinai, God gives them the Ten Commandments. But in addition, he gives them the directions on how to build a tabernacle. And before the temple that we just talked about was built, the building that was established by Solomon, the tabernacle was sort of the mobile temple. It was a tent. It was um, ornate, and it required, again, resources to build. But it was something that followed the Israelites and that they could take down and take with them. It was sort of their mobile temple. And so God gave Moses directions on how to build the tabernacle and what it should look like. And Moses then responds to the people and makes a plea, a plea for resources. And he writes in Exodus, this is what the Lord commanded. From what you have, take an offering for the Lord, everyone who is willing to bring gold and silver, and the list continues. Now, these people have been slaves for the last 400 years. So where in the world are they going to get money or wealth from which to give? Well, God made provision even for that. These people that had been slaves all their lives for decades, for centuries, for generations. They had nothing as they were getting ready to leave Egypt. But God said, go to your neighbors in Egypt, ask them for gold and for jewelry and for silver. And the Egyptians gladly gave them all kinds of wealth. And so in essence, they looted Egypt because God provided. And so as they headed out into the wilderness, they didn't head out as a slave nation with nothing. They headed out as a wealthy people and so when Moses makes this plea, they had wealth to give. The passage continues and goes on to say, But then the whole Israelite community withdrew from Moses' presence. And everyone who was willing and whose heart moved them came and brought an offering to the Lord. All who were willing, men and women alike, came and brought gold and jewelry of all kinds. The people stepped out in faith and in a willingness. None of this was demanded. It wasn't the law. It wasn't the rules. They simply responded. And they responded not only with gifts in terms of wealth, but the passage, passage continues and says that every skilled woman spun with her hand and brought what she had spun. Artists and people that could uh, were skilled, they brought the things that they made. They brought them to the tabernacle. All the Israelites, men and women, who were willing, brought to the Lord a freewill offering. In fact, they brought so much stuff that the people that were gathering the resources for the tabernacle, it then goes on and tells us that they responded to Moses and they said, the people are bringing more than enough for doing the work of the Lord commanded, the Lord Lord commanded to be done. And so Moses steps up. And can you imagine this? Moses steps up and says to the people, No man or woman is to make anything else as an offering for the sanctuary. And so the people were restrained from bringing more because they already had what they already had was more than enough to do the work. I mean, my dream would be that someday Ross could stand up here and say to us as a congregation, you have responded so richly to God's provision and his blessing, that you need to slow down your giving. Can you please go on the app and remove your donation? Stop giving, because we have too much. We don't have enough time to use what you've given. Hardly real, a crazy dream. But honestly, that's exactly what happened here in the book of Exodus, to real people who were giving to God's work because God had blessed so generously. See, the point of all this is when we give, we give as a response to God's grace and work in our life, trusting that he is the one who provides it anyway and therefore will continue to provide it, even more so in abundance when we give it and manage it toward his causes. Let me read that again. When we give, It's not legalistically. It's not because we have to. No, we give as a response to God's grace and his work in our lives. What we've talked about and praised God for, his provision, his salvation, for everything that he's given to us. And therefore, we know that he will continue to provide it. We have to trust in him. And the trusting comes because we know he'll continue to provide it. And he'll do that in even more abundance as we manage it toward his causes. So this leads to the third thing we need to think about. Why do we give money to the local church? We give money to the local church not because God needs us to give him money. He's not poor. He's wealthy. He gives us what we have. But we need to do this because we need to trust God. Jesus said in Matthew six twenty one, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And you know, it's funny, but that's the opposite of what most of us think. Most of us, if we were asked, where would you give your money? You'd say, I'm going to give my money to the things that I believe in, the things that are in my heart, the things that I'm passionate about. That's where I'm going to give my money. Jesus said, where your treasure is, where you give your money, that's where your heart will be. It's the opposite of, I'm gonna give to what I believe in. It's my heart's gonna gravitate toward where I give. You know, for me personally, I love to give to the local church. I'm a banker and I've worked in a bank for 20 some years. I hear about investment opportunities all the time. Some have short-term gains and some have long-term gains and some have tax benefits and some don't have tax benefits and some have risk and some don't. All those investment opportunities. I think the greatest investment of my money is right here in the local church because this is God's plan for our world. This is what God is doing to change people's lives to restore his kingdom, to bring about his purposes. There is nothing that I can invest in that has the eternal impact that giving to the local church is. And that's why I love to give money to the local church. Next week when we see people baptized, it thrills my heart. It thrills my heart to see people whose lives have changed, mine and yours and so many others, to see how God steps in, And makes a difference in their life. And for me to have the opportunity to partner with God. To be able to join him in his work on this earth. The eternal value of that is far greater than anything else that I can invest my money in. I just love to give to the local church. So here's an opportunity for you. Uh, An exercise perhaps that you can do. Take a look at your checking account take a look at your credit card statement. Look and see, is there generosity there? Is there giving there? If there's not, it may be an indication that you don't know how generous or to the extent that God has provided you. It may be an indication that you're trusting in something other than God. I mean, it may be an indication that church simply isn't important to you. And I don't say that to guilt you. That's not my point. My point is simply to remind you of what Jesus said. Jesus said that how you spend your money is the clearest indicator of where your heart is and where your trust is. And it's what's most important to you. So your your heart follows where your money goes. That's the simple truth that Jesus is saying. And my hope is that we will trust not in riches, but in the one who richly provides. If we trust in our riches, it'll let us down. Someday, when this life is over, the grave really doesn't care how much money you had. Your riches really won't be of value. And when you stand before God, and all that you did and all the ways that you spent your money and all the ways that you spent your time are considered. If you're trusting in riches, those riches are gonna let you down because they won't be there. So this is my hope. My hope is that we trust not in riches but in the one who richly provides. And trust is such an important part. Just two quick things about trust and then we're done. First trust is a muscle and like a muscle it has to be exercised if it's going to grow you may feel like you have nothing or you may feel like you have very little trust in God's provision because you're barely making ends meet and if that's the case then I'd encourage you trust still requires some exercise start small don't try to give 10% try to give something Try to give something regularly. And if you give 10%, then consider what you might do to trust God more. It's not just a checkbox to mark off. It's something that we need to work on to exercise trust. And so I'd encourage you, use the app, use the box in the back, use all the different ways that we can give, but try to give to trust God and see how that muscle can grow. See how God provides, and in doing so, your ability and desire to give will grow, and you'll trust God more. But secondly, trust requires action and surrender. My car needs to go into the garage, and I'm gonna drop it off tonight at the mechanic's shop. And I trust him that he'll take care of my car. But the reality is, that trust really doesn't mean anything until I take my keys and put them in the envelope and slide them through the latch and leave my car and drive away. And he'll have it tomorrow to do with whatever he wants to do, and I trust that'll be to fix it. But if I don't take my car tonight and drop it off, then I can say that I trust my mechanic. But do I really? And likewise, many of you have had surgery, and you might say you trust the doctor, But until you show up on the day of your operation and until you lay down on that table and let them put the mask that puts you out, have you really trusted? Trust requires action and surrender. So let me say, restoration is a generous church. And just because we're not consistently making budget right now fails to see What's been given in the capital campaign and be rich and staff gifts and all kinds of other generous things that we've done. But if we're going to continue to grow, if we're going to continue to reach our community the way that we believe God has called us to do so, then we need more faithful givers to the general cause of Christ here. You need to remember that we're generous because God has first been generous to us, and we're only giving. What's already his, what he's entrusted to us. And if we take what we've been given and we use it for our own agendas, then we're simply not trusting him for his provision. I pray that you'll join with me in supporting this local church or a local church in trusting God for his provision and stepping up and taking that trust even a little deeper because he will provide and you will never outtrust our God. I want to close by praying and giving you just a couple of minutes to think about and thank God for his provision in your life, and then ask him to lay on your heart how he wants you to trust him more. So let's pray. Father, we come to you thanking you for the provision that you've made. Lord, the provision of salvation, but even in a more practical way, the provision of jobs and income and the things that you've given us in terms of our living. Father, we trust that you will continue to provide because you promised that you will. And you've never gone back on your promises. And so we thank you that even a challenging topic like giving, one that can be so volatile, is one that we need to grapple with in our own lives. Father, I pray that you would lay on my heart and our hearts together, Lord, how you want us to trust you more, what we can do to show that we believe you, that we have faith in you, that we trust you. Father, thank you for the promise that your provision is greater than our needs and that you will meet everything that we really need. And we pray now that you go with us in this new year, Lord, looking to serve you and to trust you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Have a great week and we'll see you next Sunday.